Fire and Bones podcast. I'm Michael Crosswhite, pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. And I am Nathan Loudon, the pastor of Millwood Baptist Church in Austin, Texas. Follow the podcast, rate it. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this week's episode. The Southern Baptist Convention in Anaheim, California, 2022. The discussion is over whether or not Saddleback Church in Orange County, California, pastored by Rick Warren, should be removed of its credentials uh, from the Southern Baptist Convention for ordaining women pastors. And at this meeting, at this point in time, um, President Edlin gives Rick Warren a point of privilege to be able to more or less plead his case before the messengers there. This is what he said. First, everybody welcome to Orange County, Southern Baptist of 149 Southern Baptist churches here, 90 of them started by Saddleback Church. Wow. You know, it's customary um, for a, a guy who's about to be hung to let him say his dying words. <laughs> I have no intention of defending myself. I have taught my kids and grandkids for years. I am most like Christ when I refuse to defend myself. The Bible says Jesus spoke not a word unto them when Pilate accused him of all kinds of things. So I have no intention. Uh, I have most of you on my mailing list anyway, and I can write you and tell you what I believe about the gift of pastoring as opposite from the office of pastoring. But I'm not here to talk about that. Lunchtime, I wrote you a love letter, and I'd like for my possibly, likely, last convention to read it to you. Kay and I could have not built Saddleback Church to its size and influence in any other denomination. I love Southern Baptist. I am a fourth generation Southern Baptist pastor. My great-grandfather was led to Christ by Charles Spurgeon and sent to America as a church planter. Saddleback was sponsored by the North American Mission Board. I served on the staff of the California State Convention and the Texas State Convention as a teenager. Billy Graham picked me up when I was 18 and for the next 52 years mentored me because I started at 16 years old, hired by the California Convention to preach youth revivals, and I had preached preached over 120 uh, harvest crusades before I was 20. Billy took this long-haired, skinny Californian and mentored me for the next 52 years. Here's my love letter to you, because I really am grateful. If this is my last convention, because of Southern Baptist polity, I was allowed to serve one church for life. That's not possible in most denominations. And And grew it to become the largest church in this convention. Because Southern Baptists gave me a passion for evangelism and mission, we baptized 56,631 new believers. And as a Southern Baptist church, sent 26,869 members overseas to 197 nations. 
because Southern Baptists taught me the value of a membership covenant. 78,157 members of our church signed our membership covenant after taking a four-hour membership class. Because Southern Baptists taught me to emphasize the priority of Bible study, we now have 9,173 home Bible studies in homes in 162 Southern California cities. Because Southern Baptists taught me the value of church planting, as I already mentioned, we planted 90 in Orange County alone and literally thousands around the world. Because Southern Baptists taught me to honor and love the local church, I've had the privilege for 43 years of training 1.1 million pastors. That, sorry friends, that's more than all the seminaries put together. I owe you all so much. So I sincerely say thank you Southern Baptist for shaping my life. You're never going to find another Baptist who agrees with you completely on everything. There are Baptist brothers here today who don't believe Jesus died for the whole world. But we imagine somehow get along with them. So as Western culture grows more dark, more evil, more secular, we have to decide, are we going to treat each other as allies or adversaries? Second, since this is the year 2022, that means we are 2022 years from the birth of Christ. Now we know Christ started his ministry at 30 years of age, Luke tells us that, had a three and a half year ministry. Christ died in AD 33, he was resurrected in AD 33, he gave the Great Commission in AD 33, he sent the Holy Spirit and started the church in AD 33. That means 2033, just 11 years from today, is the 2000th anniversary of the Great Commission. I hope one of you, because I won't be here next year, will make a resolution that Baptists take the next 10 years to finish the task of the Great Commission in our generation before the 2000th anniversary of the church. Are we going to keep bickering over secondary issues? Are we going to keep the main thing the main thing? We need to finish the task, and that will make God smile. Thank you, everybody. I love you. We're going to get to how we got to that spot in the SBC, what what brought us there from 2019 forward, from the decades forward. What was your first thought? What, what, what was going through your mind as he was talking and when he finished talking? My first thought isn't suitable for the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you, you repented of those thoughts yet? Yeah. <laughs> um, my my second thought, there were there were a number of different different things that kind of came into my mind as both as he was talking, and then afterwards. The first is um, this point of special privilege that the chairperson, in this case Ed Litton, had 
given to Rick Warren is something that I don't think would be afforded to most people. Um, I think it was afforded, just my opinion, I could be wrong on this, but I think it was afforded to Rick Warren because he's Rick Warren and because he probably has a close relationship with Ed Lynn. Yeah. Um, and well, I will say, I'll interject there really quickly. One of the things Bar- Barbara posted about was a little bit about the process, about how Rick Warren got there through the Committee on the Order of Business. So that's there. We might post that. Okay. That he was given privilege because he was involved in something that was being discussed on the floor. So it's okay. possible that it wasn't just a celebrity favor, um, but that someone could say, I'm involved in this. I get privilege on the floor. Can I have an opportunity to speak? Mm, maybe. Probably. Sure. R- and Bar- Barbara that named Robert's Rules of Order number. <laughs> Yeah. that went to it so we'll, we'll yeah. trust Bart yeah people have done that in the past Bart's actually done that in the past um, where he was involved in the Paige Patterson issue and um, when he was involved in that issue they pointed to Bart on the floor and Bart asked for a point of privilege to just discuss the matter openly and tell his side of the story, and so he got he had that privilege. I, I grant that, and and that's probably fair. That's probably a much more charitable reading of the of the thing than, than anything. But that was my first thought was like, yeah, the content of this is like is not at all. Hey, let me explain what we did and why you've got it wrong. That wasn't it. The right the point was, let me tell you why you're wrong uh ecclesiologically why you're wrong in the way you read the bible mm-hmm. and but then he didn't even go there what he went to was not a biblical argument for what they did he went to you wouldn't have southern baptist in california if it wasn't for me um yeah. you know and we, we have 90 of these are, I can't remember exactly what he said. 90 of these are planted, were planted mm-hmm. from, from our saddleback out of the whatever, 110 in the, in the state. 149, I think, yeah. I mean, all of those things, it's like once he sat down, I think I, I remember looking at you or maybe it was somebody else that was sitting next to me and I, and I, I was like, he didn't even touch the argument that's being made. Yeah, his one his sentence on the argument was, "I'm not here to talk about. I'm not going to address the difference between the gift of pastor and the office of pastor." Right. Which to me, which to me was confusing because the credentials committee. So just to give us the background, the the short version. Last year, a motion was made from the floor that Saddleback Baptist Church, Rick Warren's church, be investigated about their cooperation and their fellowship with the Southern Baptist Convention because they were ordaining women as pastors, calling women pastors, which is uh, would which would be contrary to what it has been historically understood for the Baptist faith and message to mean. So the credentials committee is supposed to take this up and reply, come back with something in the 2022 annual convention. And what that committee brought to the convention was a recommendation to form another committee to go investigate what's meant by the word pastor in the Baptist faith and message. (laughs) So, So what was kind of interesting was they didn't there wasn't there was the assumption that someone had to have gone and talked to Saddleback in the last 12 months and should have been able to report well this is actually what they're doing 
This is what they're saying. This is what they're meaning. This is how they're functioning. Therefore, this is what's going on. And instead, we got a report that said, we got a recommendation that said, well, we need to form a committee to understand what the word pastor means in the Baptist faith and message, because apparently a lot of people have different ideas about that. Now, the other short version is, and maybe we could, I don't know if we could play this and pull it up, but Al Mohler speaks to that motion and says, basically, if we have to have a committee every time we don't know what a word means in the Baptist faith and message, our confessional fellowship is gone. We don't even know what our own statement means. Our statement doesn't mean anything. It means what our extra statements mean. We're no longer a confessional body. And then from Southwestern Seminary, Adam Greenway stands up and makes a motion to amend the Credential Committee motion to make it say something and do something else regarding Constitution. And then later on that day, I think it was that day, um, uh, Rick Warren gets up to sh- <coughs> to share about uh, about you know his his feelings. Yeah. And the only the only address he gave was, I'm not going to talk about the difference between gift of pastor and the office of pastor, which seems to be how they uh, acknowledge some women may have the gift of pastor, but men are in the office of pastor, and that's that that was that was the kind of I'm just going to throw this out there and then say nothing about it <laughs> for the next few moments. Yeah, here I think here's the let's so let's back up just a bit and say there there's this underlying current that's been going on for for some time now and it's really difficult um to kind of parse through and there's a clear difference in the room mm-hmm. between I would say probably the vast majority of people vast majority of messengers in there and then a, a, a minority of, of other messengers who come from churches where female pastoring is perfectly acceptable and fine mm-hmm. uh, or they're open to it and, mm-hmm. um, and and a lot of those obviously represented by Saddleback so Saddleback going back a year ago um, had ordained and I've got the dates right here so in uh, on May 6th of 2021 so this is a year and plus like a month before the previous convention. Yeah. Saddleback Church ordained three women pastors in a ceremony on that day. And I think that was a Thursday, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. And then, and so at the convention of 2021, there was a motion made um, that asked the Credentials Committee to look at breaking fellowship with Saddleback Church. Right. And so what happened, and then not only that, but like then right before this convention, Saddle Rick Warren announced his retirement, and he announced that there would be a, a replacement for him. His replacement pastor would be a co-pastor team of Andy and Stacy Wood. Andy and Stacy being a husband and wife who currently pastor at Echo Church in San Jose, California. Uh, Andy is currently Echo Church's lead pastor, and Stacy, his wife, is a teaching pastor. So, first problem already is that the the p- thing that they were appointed to go study 
was an event that took place a year ago, which has now been outdated by what they've just recently done. Mm-hmm. So what they were studying was the uh, the uh, ordaining or uh, whatever of 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 three women pastors, okay? Mm-hmm. But what has just happened is there has been an announcement that the lead pastor and teaching pastor of the church would be a husband and wife team. So the reason that that's important is because what the credentials committee came back to the convention with was this, and I think we could just probably probably play the clip of the credentials committee, but During the 2021 SBC annual meeting in Nashville, Tennessee, a motion concerning the relationship of Saddleback Church, located in Anaheim, California, was referred to our committee for consideration. For your reference, our report and recommendation can be found on page three of the Tuesday Bulletin as follows. Based on the information available to us currently, including direct communication with Pastor Rick Warren, who was so gracious in answering our questions regarding faith and practice, we have concluded that we are not yet prepared to make a recommendation regarding Saddleback Church, recognizing that there are differing opinions regarding the intent of the office of pastor as stated in the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. Therefore, we are coming today asking for a study committee to provide clarity regarding this matter. We feel it is very important for you to know that it is the unanimous opinion of the Credentials Committee that the majority of Southern Baptists hold to the belief that the function of lead pastor, elder, bishop, overseer is limited to men as qualified by scripture and that this was the intended definition of office of pastor as stated in Article 6 of the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. However, the Credentials Committee has found little information evidencing the Convention's belief regarding the use of the title of pastor for staff positions with differing responsibilities and authority than that of lead pastor. For this reason, the Credentials Committee moves that the following recommendation be adopted. The Credentials Committee recommends that the Southern Baptist Convention during its June 14, 15, 2022 annual meeting in Anaheim, California, form a study committee, the members of which shall be appointed by the President to report to the Southern Baptist Convention annual meeting June 13 and 14, 2023 in New Orleans, Louisiana, a recommendation to provide clarity regarding the office of pastor, as stated in the Baptist Faith and Message Article 6, the church. Given the many different offices within Baptist churches, which include pastor in the title, though often with very different responsibilities and authority. Mr. President, that concludes our report and our recommendation to this great convention. Essentially what was said in that whole statement from the lady was, you know, it's the unanimous opinion. We agree, the Credentials Committee agrees, that in the Baptist faith and message, the office of pastor is reserved to men. But when she says, when she follows that up with, 
the however she says the credentials committee found little information evidencing the convention's belief regarding the use of the title of pastor for staff positions with different responsibility and authority than that of lead pastor here's the big problem with that that is outdated to what saddleback has just done Mm -hmm. all right she's coming forward with going well what do you do about these three women that saddleback you know ordained and they're like children's pastor and what i don't know what their official titles are but they're you know pastor of missions and things like that they're not head pastor like what you would see in the Baptist faith and message that's mm-hmm. outdated by what Saddleback has just done by naming executive pa- lead pastor and, and teaching pastor as husband and wife team so what she's bringing forward is is beside the point right then the other part of this is that has nothing to do with the question what are we going to do with Saddleback right what they mm-hmm. were appointed to go find was what are we going to do about Saddleback and they come forward with, well, we need more information about how the convention views the title of pastor as being applied to something like children's pastor. Like you'll, you'll commonly hear that referred to. Maybe a woman, and they're called children's pastor or children's minister even. And so how, how do we understand that? Which the convention, this, goes, this doesn't even go re- uh, reported for the most part. The convention on the whole was like, no. That is not, we don't see it that way. And when Al Mohler said his bit, you can hear it in the clip, there is a, a cheers and applause. Mr. Chairman, I, I just come to this microphone in the event that it is in order for me to speak. I'm speaking as a messenger of the Third Avenue Baptist Church in Louisville, Kentucky. I served on the committee that brought the Baptist faith and message in 2000 that was overwhelmingly adopted by this convention. My concern is as a churchman, a theologian, and uh, someone who loves this convention, as I know everyone in this room does, if we eventually have to form a study committee over every word in our confession of faith, then we're doomed and we're no longer a confessional people. Dr. Mueller. I appreciate the opportunity. I'll I'll make this brief. I also appreciate the good work of the Credentials Committee and the spirit in which they bring this. But I am a confessionalist. This is a confessional denomination. We say what we believe in specific words that are the Baptist faith and message. The moment we start to, of necessity, have study committees to decide what the words mean, The words mean what Southern Baptists said in the year 2000. At that time, the word pastor was used by the committee and adopted by the convention because we were told that is the most easily understood word among Southern Baptists for pastoral teaching leadership. I have to hope we still have that much clarity and that churches that use the word pastor mean it. Mr. Chairman, thank you for this opportunity.
mm-hmm. and they they report a standing ovation for Rick Warren after he said what he said. But that's not true. I mean, you go back and look at the clip, and it there are people standing, sure, and applauding, but it is not the the convention. It wasn't overwhelming. All. Do what? It wasn't overwhelming. No, it wasn't overwhelming. But it was there. It, yeah, but it sounds really loud, and it sounds mm-hmm. really impressive, and it sounds like, oh, man, you got a lot of people. There's 8,000 people in that room. If they were all standing and applauding, you would know it. Mm-hmm. You know, And it was clear that that was not the case. So there's a huge issue going on there already. You know, a fracture between complementarianism and egalitarianism. The mm. Baptist faith and message states that we're a complementarian denomination, and that's approved by the messengers. Mm-hmm. The leadership on the stage seems to be under the impression that we're an egalitarian denomination, and there's a war right now, and it's not a war that's like the conservative resurgence war. It's not a war like that. It's a very... No one wants to bring this up, the elephant in the room kind of war. It's a cold it's, war. It's, it's a bit of an identity crisis, too. I mean, sure who is. is the SBC? What is the SBC for the next 15, 20, 30 years? Sure, and to Greenway's point, Adam Greenway you know, gets up and, and says his piece. And I offer this as a what I hope will be a friendly amendment to the Credentials Committee. I've talked with uh, Chair Lady Cooper, who I have great respect for. Uh, It's clear to me from uh, the intent of this uh, committee's work that the issue that they face is one that is serious and one that we should give every resource to this committee to be able to do. But I don't think it is merely the issue of the question about whether a woman uh, pastor is in conformity with the guidelines of this convention because, and again, uh, we've heard uh, language even earlier talking about how we are a confessional convention. Well. Uh, that means a variety of different things, but it does not mean that any church must proactively affirm the Baptist faith and message 2000 in order to be a cooperating Southern Baptist church. Article 3 of the convention says that a church must have a faith and practice which closely identifies with the convention's adopted statement of faith. Before coming back to Texas, I spent 17 years in Kentucky, and there are Kentucky Baptist churches that affirm the First London Confession, the Second London Confession, the New Hampshire Confession, the Abstract of Principles, every iteration of the Baptist faith and message, some that have written their own confession, some that have no written confession. The guidance for the Credentials Committee needs to be more in terms of what is intended by how closely identified with the Convention Statement of Faith a church must be in order to be a cooperating Southern Baptist church. That is the issue at stake that the Credentials Committee needs, and I would move this amendment to give them the tools they need and to have a task force come back next year with how this convention should determine cooperation, not where we are trying to do authoritative interpretations of the Baptist faith and message in a way to where no Baptist magisterium exists by our polity. And and I, I kind of, it sounded like Al Mohler and Adam Greenway were on different, coming at, you know, were arguing against each other, but they, I don't think they really were. I think they were just approaching it from two different angles, where Adam right. Greenway was saying, what we, we've really got to do is determine h- how do we understand like faith and order? And does someone have to be of exact faith and order, or does someone have to be of like faith and order? That's what we have to determine, because that actually saves us 
from doing this every year about another thing, whatever it mm -hmm. is, right? How closely do they have to align to the Baptist faith and message before we say your your credentials are removed? Mm -hmm. And and but Al Mohler's point is, you know, it seems like well, we've defined what a pastor is. And this is the way we see it, and yeah. we either hold to that or we don't. You know. Yeah. But I, I think what is what's kind of being bust in on this was the. Uh, you know the the comments that we heard that that concerned me, and you know, I mean, praise God, there are going to be more Christians in heaven through Rick Warren's ministry than mine. I think it's probably likely. Right. So, so based on just the numbers and, and the reports, but he'll tell you if you just ask him. He's reply. He's he's trained a few more pastors than I have as well. So. But I, I I think one of the things that is concerning, even while there is much to celebrate, you know, I, I went through Purpose Driven Life with our church years ago, 20, 15 years ago now, something like that, and um, you know had a big celebration at the end, had our largest attendance of our church ever. Um, the Purpose Driven Life isn't a, a totally, it's not a total theological wreck. There are helpful things in there, and there's a few concerning things in there, but it's... It's the pragmatism that seemed to get kind of bust in in that speech into the room. The the numbers, which came across as boasting. The the numbers as the measure of success and health and and goodness. Which is very and common in the SBC. It's very common in the annual meeting. It, to have it that is the constantly peak. thrown in your face. It, it 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 was it was like the climax of the We've been, you know, numbers, numbers, numbers. For, we've been talking about declining numbers for years, about the, you know declining giving for years. Envision 2025 from Ronnie Floyd in 2019. Literally every candidate that's ever put forward for any office, it's always told, here's what he, when he started his pastorate, here's what the numbers were. And now he's been yeah. pastor for 10 years at that church, and, and now the numbers are four times that. And he's baptized 150,000 people and, you know, and whatever it is. Yeah, there, there's no one running for president who, who someone gets up and says, like, this guy came to the church, the membership was a thousand. They removed nine hundred because no one could find them, so they went down to a hundred in membership, and they've grown to a hundred and fifty in eight years. Yeah, that 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 guy that guy's not getting elected no. to any no. offices from the stage. <laughs> Jesus would not make it. All right, as <laughs> SBC president or pre really, he wouldn't make it as like secretary of whatever <laughs> office. I mean, he just <laughs> yeah, he would. So, they wouldn't find him fit. To yeah, that 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 movement and that. I mean, we we even see it's just crazy that we even see it in kind of, in different ways in the the history of Robert Gallaty and Robbie Gallaty and his uh, most recent spontaneous baptism movement in his church. It's maybe a whole other discussion itself, spontaneous it baptism. But the point is, um, you know, we we heard from the convention, we heard from Robert Gallaty and uh, the task force, I think maybe put on by name or someone, to go discover why are we declining numbers so much? Why are we losing so many people? What's going on? And it was a several-year study that looked over the last 20 years and said, you know, we've 
um, uh, forgive me, I, I'll have the numbers wrong here, but I think we've brought this up before. You know, we, we baptized something like 7 million people in 20 years, but we decreased by total membership by 2 million people. Why is that? You know, why are those numbers so off? Why, are we, why do we baptize these millions of people, but the SBC has decreased in its, in its membership as a whole? And the, uh, the, the report to the committee, I want to say it was in Dallas, was that we, we haven't been discipling people. We have, we've been about numbers. We've been baptizing people and forgetting them. We've let anybody come in and get baptized, and we don't know where they are. We don't know where they go. We don't keep account of them, and so our numbers have been bloated for years, right? That we we've been doing the pragmatism thing, uh, in, in one sense. And so for Rick Warren to stand up and say these things and avoid the issue that's at hand, and kind of uh, chide the convention for being about what he referred to as secondary issues. And if we can quit being you know, worrying about secondary issues, make the main thing the main thing. I mean, that has been the, SP, the SBC. Someone has said that every year at the SBC, I think, for the last 20 years. Make the main thing the main thing. And <clears throat> so, and it, and it kind of shuts down conversation on anything that's actually going on. So that's what I felt like was happening was, listen, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. That, that issue is there. The Baptist faith message says that. We're doing that, whatever. It doesn't matter. Look, listen to all these numbers. Listen, and and it came across as a thank you to the convention for making us able to go and do these incredible things. So, it's it's that kind of pragmatic uh, missionalism, you could say, that neglects questions that are addressed in the Baptist faith message, and even a defining question for the Baptist faith message. This sentence that there is the office of pastor and deacon and the office of pastor is reserved for men is a sentence that was defining for the Southern Baptist Convention in the year 2000. It it wasn't just kind of a sentence that well, we've got to have in there because Baptists historically have this teaching. It, it was a rejection of the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship. It was an answer to a culturally debated, SBC-debated question at the time. Yep. That's why we put it in the Baptist faith and message for, right. for the clarity of it. And so it's, is it a secondary issue in com- when it comes to salvation and justification? Absolutely. Is it a secondary issue when it comes to what it means to fellowship with other churches who are planting churches and understanding what it means to be a pastor of a church? It's not secondary. Not not for fellowship, not for cooperation, I don't think. So no. I think that, that, that seems to be the the issue it, it's not that we're not really glad for so many wonderful things but it's the kind of pragmatic dismissal of doctrinal questions that actually affect our partnership yeah. that is seems to be rampant among the and SBC of the last couple of decades if you looked up in the dictionary whistling past the graveyard you would find that whole scene right there at the SBC I mean just a video clip of that is whistling past the graveyard. Hey, we've got all these numbers. That's fine. Uh, great. Okay. Uh, we can see those, some of those things differently. I might count those numbers a little differently than Rick Warren would. Fine. Whatever. We have a difference in the way that we structure church and things like that. And I, I get that part. But it's like, I know this issue is out here. This rotting corpse is, is sitting right here and smelling up the whole room. 
but I'm going to talk about these other things yeah. that are the reasons that you should keep me in and, and then just kind of go away and not yeah. defend the position that I take or that I hold. And let's actually debate the merits of those positions. And I think probably because he realizes he's in the minority for one and two, he really doesn't have a position that doesn't end in, well, I think most of those passages in the Bible are just cultural. That's essentially what he's going to do. I mean, he's got to do right. is, well, Paul wouldn't say that same thing today. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, and I mean, that's essentially all he can do. And so, again, the whole issue is ignored. And so at the end of that, the credentials committee removes their motion to appoint a task force to study. And and it was right and they did that right after Rick Warren's speech. Mm-hmm. And so the way it appeared to everyone else was Rick Warren got up there, did a song and dance, and then we just moved on. Mm-hmm. And none of that's ever going to be addressed. In reality, I think what's happening now is the original motion back in 2021 to uh, for the credentials committee to study this saddleback situation and come forward with a recommendation will probably now be reported to the executive committee and then the executive committee will have to make a decision and either bring that to the floor or make a decision themselves which would may then if they make the wrong decision come back to the floor where they may have to correct it mm-hmm. so it's a big it was a massive mess a bungled mm-hmm. mess mm-hmm. and what it revealed as the credentials committee chairwoman said dr moeller i understand totally i to me i know what pastor means but in some of our southern baptist churches pastor is a spiritual gift that is given to many people so we Please, have we wanted clarity in what that pastor means and everybody in the convention was like no 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 they 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 sort of corrected her and then she obviously withdrew so it'll really it's a it's a it's a situation that ha, that has kind of presented itself where the floor sees the church one way yeah on the whole and the stage sees the denomination a different way yeah, and it may be just that the this, the credentials committee. Um, I don't even remember who it was all who all was on there, but they they don't know what to do. Yeah. So they're trying to find a way to give it to someone else without sounding like. I mean, I will I will give them this credit. There might be the attempt to make sure that they are not the arbiter. They they're not the deciding body. That somehow it gets closer to the floor in some process they don't want to be seen as determining credentials they want to apply what the floor says so that's possible right that was uh and, and, and i could have been wise i, I be could see fair, myself on the credential committee going uh i don't want to <laughs> i don't want the credentials committee to be the interpreter of the baptist faith and message in this there needs to be something closer to the floor than this kind of standing committee right I, and to be fair to that, them you know, they're looking at, okay, fine, Saddleback is, is what it is. But look at, you know, you know Joe Baptist Church in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, that has a children's pastor. 
Right. They didn't ordain this lady as children's pastor. They didn't, you know, they 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 weren't trying to, you know, use the term pastor in the way that we mean elder or overseer. No, and, it's semantics. She, 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 yeah, it's semantics. She she is called pastor. He's the children's pastor. Right. What do we do about that church? Mm-hmm. You know that like isn't doing the same thing that Saddleback is doing. Yeah. Which. The underlying argument from this stage was that's what Saddleback was doing with those three ladies that had ordained his pastor. This is like children's pastors. We're not talking about head pastor. But th- that's what I'm saying is that that was outdated with the with what happened on June 2nd. And, and that's where the convention frustrates me to some extent is that we're moving very slowly. And we shouldn't mm-hmm. be slow walking any of this. This should be very quick. And we should be able to look at what happened a week before the convention and go, all of the arguments you're making about these three women are outdated by what they've just done. They've just appointed a head pastor and teaching pastor, which no one would in that room would, would argue that that's somehow not a pastor. You know, that, oh, that's not, that is not overseer or elder or shepherd, a teaching pastor, the one who's going to be yeah. doing a lot of the preaching on right. Sunday morning. I've probably had more members ask about the Southern Bible's convention this year than any other year. Now, I don't think I hyped it up. I don't think I, you know, announced it as, you know, some new big deal this year. Every year has its drama. I mean, that's one of my concerns is it's drama every year. Yeah. It's something every year. And it's it takes it takes hard work to come home and be really excited about what's going on. Right. And but I've also had several emails come through where just where I'm in groups with emails where guys are asking, what did you say to your church about the SBC this year? Yeah. <laughs> because they, they kind of want to know what's, what's everyone, what's other guys, other like-minded guys, how are you guys responding to this? Um, and that, that's, in, that's increased in the last, uh, it, it's really upticked every year for the last five years or so. Mm-hmm. That at the end of every convention, it's kind of like, okay, guys, what do y'all think about this? <laughs> I mean, right. are, are you okay with this? Are we, are we, are we? So there's a lot of, are we in this? Questions more than ever, and for yeah, I, for both of our churches, I think, <clears throat> knowing our ecclesiology, it's not a question for you and me to make. That's not our responsibility to make those decisions. That's our congregational uh, decision to fellowship and cooperate with the Baptist with the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, so there, there is no kind of, you know, well, Nathan's done, so we're done. Well, no, that's not how it works, you know. Right, right, right. Uh, I have a, a group of elders I share my concerns with. I, I celebrate what there is to celebrate. I share my concerns. We deliberate. Um, and, and then if we think there ought to be a change of, of any sort as an elder body, we take that to our congregation and say this is what we see going on. These are some options. What do you think, church? You're the church. This is your responsibility to help us uh, oversee our our missions directions and what we understand to be faithfulness and help us apply our own statement of faith to uh, our mission statement, to our, our um, to our, not our mission statement, to our um, statement of faith, and what we, what we think the gospel is, what we think the mission of the church is, what we think missions is. Uh, what we what we mean by cooperation with any other organization? So, uh, I mean, we we have recently voted as a church 
to join Pillar, and I have an interview coming up for that in a couple of days. So, you know, unless Pillar gets a look at us and runs the other direction, <laughs> we'll have a, a new network of church uh, planting fellowship that we'll be a part of in addition to the Southern Baptist Convention. And that was the decision that we made very clearly. This was not a move from the Southern Baptist Convention. This was an addition to the Southern Baptist Convention for us at this time. So, um, But there's a lot there. I mean, I, I think what, one of the more disheartening things isn't just kind of this event and this conversation, but a host of things over over the years that seem to be naggingly uh is that a word naggingly just me nagging over the years does it sound good it sounds good i'm with <laughs> it sounds it. good yeah i mean shakespeare I invented a lot, like a so. hundred thousand words or something it, so i mean we're entitled one see, aren't we did you see ohio state? i'm not sure we want to go with this one but okay <laughs> did you see ohio state just had it's not a, it's not a patent but what's the word they the, trademarked the word trademarked the, the the I mean, you want to talk about a flex. They trademarked the. I've already seen shirts, Nike shirts. just got a Nike shirt, and it just says the. It's great. I don't, I don't even go to Ohio State. I don't hate them. I don't love them. But I just, it's, it's pretty. I mean, if you're a college student at Ohio State, that's fun. <laughs> anyway, there's so many things. So we've got, and this is what I've shared with my uh, elders recently, and we, we had a, a wonderful, helpful um, discussion just about different I mean, our different views. But, I mean, I could just run through things where we have prosperity and in, in gospel endorsement by megachurch pastors that seems to go fairly unchecked. We have right-wing political engagement in the convention. Can we say who these m- people were? I mean, huh? are we are we allowed to say that? I mean, we can. I'm just saying, generally, the the topics are there because it's not even just one person. I mean, it's Jack Graham endorsing Paula White, but it's not just Jack Graham, and Paula White. Uh, well, didn't Robert Jeffress do it too? I think Robert Jeffress did too. Robert Jeffress, bump, yeah, absolutely befriending, uh, you know, Trump's whole religious uh, kind of committee or whatever it is in the White House. Mike Pence coming to the. Uh, convention in 2019. It's, I mean, it's not. It, it's it's not even about the political side that you're on. It's the politicization of the SBC. Yeah. Rick Warren's pragmatism. If we just look at the history of the presidents of the convention for the last 20 years, I think one of the things that makes me so excited about Bart Barber, I think Bart Barber probably doesn't have skeletons in the closet right he's a dear pastor he's gonna do his updates he's this is already happening i love it his updates yeah. are on the farm he's introducing us to his cows yeah. he's a pastor he has a he has a cow our southern baptist president convention has a cow which a he has named a bully graham <laughs> it's a bull bully graham <laughs> He also has a cow that's named Lottie Moon. <laughs> I mean, this guy. I didn't know that one. Yes, I, I'm pretty sure that's the truth. I've seen it on his Twitter. I mean, this is the guy we need right now, I think. So anyway, we. but I, I think I he's a man, man of character. Yeah. And we've had, in the past 20 years, 
president fired for not working with uh, for who was president and president of a, a seminary at the time. Paige Patterson fired for not cooperating with the uh, with the board. Which, Another, by the way, just a statement on that. Paige Patterson is a spearhead of the Cooperative Baptist Network. You know, the Conservative Baptist Network. Yeah, CBN. figurehead at least. Yeah, yeah, figurehead at least of that network. He was at their their breakfast at the convention. Yeah. He was supporting Tom Askell. The vote, I think, in large part toward Bart Barber and against Tom Askell was more against Paige Patterson behind Tom Askell than anything else, mm-hmm. which is very strange because Tom Askell yeah. is Calvinist. Yeah. And is head of Founders Ministry, which is that's a large percentage of their what they're trying to uh, teach people is the fa- yeah. founding uh, doctrine of soteriology of the of the SPC. And Paige Patterson is a noted Arminian who wants all Calvinists out of the convention, and here he was backing Tom Askell for president, mm-hmm. which was so strange. And so the yeah. vote against Tom Askell. Was, and for Bart Barber was largely against Paige Patterson, I think, more than anything yeah, else. Yeah, and I, I voted for Bart Barber, which is the right vote. So My associate pastor voted for Tom Askell, which, you know, will come up in staff review later. But um, <laughs> <laughs> actually, uh, raises I actually think it's a great choice. <laughs> um, but kind of, if you look at the president, keep going. Frank, we got Paige Patterson. Frank Page uh, had some kind of an affair Johnny Hunt, some kind of an affair, didn't tell his church, was in his church for 20 years. To this day, there's a lot of heat around that right now. That was in the Sex Abuse Task Report. Ronnie Floyd resigned from the EC because of uh, there are multiple reasons, I think. Uh, we also have his vision 2025. and I mean, To me, that represented a, a significant shift and a, and a, a the the epitome of the shift from the Baptist faith and message or the Southern Baptist Convention being about executing, living, loving, unifying around the Baptist faith and message together, and then having the executive committee execute our plans every year, and the flop to where executive director, uh, the the, uh, the the president of the executive committee stands up to us and gives us a vision. Yeah. About how we're supposed to grow, and it's a pragmatic vision: more numbers, more people, more money, more baptisms, more. It's just like Rick Warren: more, big, more. That's that's what we got to go do. Do whatever it right. takes to do those things. Right. And then we've got a Litton uh, president who just finished the plagiarism scandal, and so I mean that's just th- those are the names that you would recognize in the Senate. I was convinced in the last twenty. The others who are presidents, you probably wouldn't even recognize their names. They just kind of went and they kind of went and came and were present and were, and were gone. And praise God for them. <laughs> um, but Al Mohler said something in his uh, seminary report that I, that I thought was telling. He said, it's not that the seminaries drive the convention. The seminaries and the convention are downstream from all of the churches. Mm-hmm. So if the seminaries are doing well, it's because you're sending students and because you are demanding good theology and good pastoral training. The seminaries are downstream from the, the direction and the health of the churches in the SBC. And I agree, and I thought that was encouraging, because if our seminaries are doing well, which Al Mohler claimed, our seminaries are at peak performance, theologically and numbers-wise. Mm-hmm. And if that's true, that's coming downstream from the health of the churches. So praise God. But then 
I look at other things and I'm like, well, these things must be downstream from churches too. <laughs> right. Why why are you know, this the, the those presidents that I just mentioned are downstream from the conservative resurgence. They're downstream from the good old boy big church. How do these guys get into these roles? Baptize the most people, give the most money, have the biggest churches. And praise God, I'm mean, nothing against big churches. You know, one of my good friends in town's a big church, you know. Um, but it's that kind of pragmatism that equals success, which equals leadership, which equals roles in the SBC. For me, that's why Bar- Barbara is so wonderful to see him. But I mean, he's got but, two oh, services, but, fairly small church, man of character. He's just a pastor. I mean, it does kind of matter a little. Like, if we're looking at, it's like saying, it's like saying, uh, you know, this guy, LeBron James is, I'm just going to make up a number that's close. So LeBron James is 6'9", 260 pounds. And solid muscle. Yeah. If I was 6'9", and fat, and was 260 pounds... It would be like saying, yeah, me and LeBron, we're the same, right? Uh-huh. It, it's like we stopped asking in the convention, what about the quality? What about endurance? What about church health? You know, here's a church of massive size, but are the, are the people actually Christians? Are they actually mm-hmm. mature Christians, and are mm-hmm. they are they growing, and are they disciplining the their the fellow members? Are they discipling the fellow members, and are they growing together uh, as a body as a body of believers? Is there maturity and unity and things like that present? Um, are are the signs of church health there in the membership, or are there tons of people who come to your church services who have really you know if the head pastor leaves they're gone you know or you know is is it all built around the charisma of the person up on the stage you know those questions matter mm-hmm. and 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 the two people get up next to each other and one one's a pastor of a thousand the other is a pastor of a thousand i don't want to just look at height and weight you yeah. know there's got to be more to health than that and it's like yeah it's like we've seen one, you know, one is growth and one is swelling. And they both right. result in a similar thing. You have to adjust the, you know, the size of your clothes, but but they're, they're, one's a sign of a problem and the other is a, is a sign of health. Yeah. Yeah, that's helpful. And, you know, the, the convention sermon this year was preached by Juan Sanchez. And the content of that sermon aside from having more nine books, nine marks books, titles per capita in a sermon than any other sermon I've heard. <laughs> yeah. He just went through the list of We're nine kind of marks re- titles. Reverberation, church membership. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it, it was, and Mark Dever tweeted to this end, it was essentially a rebuke. Yeah. Of the pragmatism and big numbers. Yeah. You know, if, brother, if no one knows your name, yeah. if you don't have 
you know, if you're not, if your name's not up on the wall in the hallways of the SBC, but you're making disciples, you're going to people's homes, you're preaching the word, you're sharing the gospel, brother, you are doing what God wants you to do. Yeah. I mean, it was so encouraging for me, so freeing, and so glad to hear it at the pulpit at the SBC. I would say Juan Sanchez's sermon at the convention was probably, given the context of the sermon, given the the history and all the stuff that was going on and all of that, and the way it was preached, both as a rebuke to a viewpoint that's been presented by Ronnie Floyd and, and Rick Warren and so many others, um, easily one of the 10 best sermons I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. And, and there was nothing special about it in the sense of no, there was no like, whoa, Just did you see how he threw in this recording and this like loop mm-hmm. and all this, you know, video yeah. clip and all this stuff. It wasn't any of that. It was just a straightforward, here's what the text says, mm-hmm. let me encourage you. And given all that was going on, easily one of the 10 best sermons I've ever heard, just yeah. in its conciseness, in its timeliness, in its the point that it made, it's, it's just, it was so good. Mm-hmm. And would edify, I mean, it was, it was, in addition to all those things, it was also incredibly encouraging and mm-hmm. edifying, yeah. you know? Convicted. Absolutely. Well, I, I, you know, the, the the questions of how the SBC is is doing goes goes on, but I think one way to kind of take the conversation toward you know maybe toward an end here because it's, it's very easy to uh, just complain about the SBC. Oh, I mean, it's so easy. Um, there's I think there's more um, subjects that we could bring up, but I think something to think about is where we are historically as a Southern Baptist Convention. You know, the Southern Baptist Convention is kind of like America. Like when when was it great? Well, it's always had problems. It, it's it's never been like this flawless, amazing, totally unified moving force i mean we've had better days and worse days you know we kind of started with worse days really um started with probably the worst days (laughs) (laughs) so the um we're we're not in the greatest crisis the spc has ever been in it started in the greatest crisis it had ever been in when it uh when it would not would not affirm slaves and and black men and women as missionaries yeah. And it formed for that reason. So uh, so it's easy to dog, but I think the, the thing that's most confusing to, or that has been disorienting to me, and it is that for so long I understood myself and the Southern Baptist Convention and, and our church in fellowship with the Southern Baptist Convention to be enjoying the fruit of what's known as the conservative resurgence that started in the late 70s, early 80s with Al Mohler, Paige Patterson, and Paul Pressler, an attorney in Houston. You have the the meeting, the infamous meeting of Paul Pressler and Paige Patterson at Café du Monde in New Orleans, uh, I want to say it's late 70s, where they mapped out a plan to take over the Southern Baptist Convention for conservatism. 
for the Bible, for sound doctrine, for the gospel, for these things. And we've read the books. We've seen them in the stained glass. This is, this is, we're now eating, enjoying the fruit of this conservative resurgence. And it's the, the conservative resurgence is now going to, that, that era, it feels like, is done. That it has resurged, and here we are. And Paige Patterson has been fired. Paul Pressler is wrapped up in a lawsuit about abuse. Al Mohler is kind of one of the last guys standing, it feels like, in terms of those main just few leaders. Um, but so much of those uh, presidents in the past 20 years are fruit of the conservative resurgence in some way. And I'm just kind of realizing uh, there were other things coming in along the way for the past 40 years that are that are there now and, and bearing fruit. So we're, we're definitely are in a big moment of, you know, whoever we're going to be in the next 20, 40 years, there probably isn't going to be a big takeover, it doesn't seem. You know, and, and the seminaries seem to be teaching faithfully, uh, you know, relative to where they were in the 70s, 80s. They're, oh, yeah. They seem to be doing really, really well across the board. Right. So there's not that kind of takeover that needs to happen, but what the convention is going to be in terms of solidarity to the Baptist faith and message, to what we understand to be secondary and, and main issues, um, what's going to happen? I mean, we've had... Uh, Russell Moore leave. Uh, we've had John Onwechek would leave. We've had uh, Beth Moore leave. We've had Josh Busey leave. So the, these leaders represent multiple kind of uh, streams of thought. Yeah, factions. You know, worldviews about the SBC right. that involve uh, race and abuse and women in ministry, the treatment of women, um, and so it's. Who, who is the SBC right now? It's a big umbrella. And can it stay that big and function that big? <laughs> um, I don't know. I, that's, I think I think it's going to be answered because I think there's a lot of guys in an upcoming generation who are grateful historically for the conservative resurgence, who understand the, our seminaries right now and their teaching is the fruit of and have benefited by the seminaries. Absolutely, yeah. Bit. I've been to the seminaries myself. I've got degrees there, yeah, um, or degree, and uh, degrees. But at the same time, we'll have one degree from there. Have one from somewhere else, mm. and from the the Disby Center. And the but we're we're in this moment where it's gonna that time is kind of fading, and there's another generation of young men who are really really wondering what is the SBC. Do I want to be a part of it? Is it worth it? What level do I want to be a part of it? And where are my main allegiances? Because the umbrella in the SBC is so big now that it makes it really difficult to have a really, really tight allegiance right. to the Southern Baptist Convention. And instead, you're able to go, well, these there's a few guys over here that have tighter convictions with me that allow me to really function in wholehearted cooperation yeah. without wondering about drama and right. division and distinctions and those things and 
I mean, my, my personal thought is uh, I just don't have a lot of more days left. Yeah. I just yeah. don't have an infinite amount of money as a church. Right. We, we don't. So I want to be really careful to be really excited, really pointed, and put, put our money, our time, our effort where there is um, close convictions. You know, right. we, we don't want to ourselves find ourselves, what, what's the phrase in the Constitution, kind of loosely identifying or somewhat identifying with the Southern Baptist Convention because it got handed down to us. Um, that seems to be kind of the moment. A lot of guys are asking questions like that. What is the convention? What's it going to be? What's my part in making it what it's going to be? Can I even, you know, is there even, uh, I mean, it's really easy to feel like there's 50,000 churches that cooperate, 45,000 churches that cooperate. Who are we? <laughs> yeah. Because the Baptist faith message isn't, it, there seems to be a lot of confusion around that, what's supposed to be our unifying document even, yeah. on such fundamental questions. Well, and the the way that the only part, and I, I told the church this last night, was that the the part that is encouraging to me is that, you know, on the whole, it's not perfect and it's not exactly the decisions that I would make necessarily. On the whole, the floor seems to be still driving a lot of this show. The discouraging part is that the floor and the leadership on the stage seem to be headed in two different directions. And the floor keeps having to come back and rebuke the stage. Two years in a row now, the floor has corrected what has been done by the leadership. So last year, the leadership came forward and said, sex abuse, the executive committee is going to take that. And the floor said, no, they're not. We're going to appoint a task force to study it and that led to a whole big thing of the sex abuse task force which we didn't even talk about this time but uh on on this podcast but it's mm-hmm. is an issue and what has the pendulum is swinging back the other way where instead of you know hey the executive committee is just going to handle all reports of sexual abuse and things like that it's now going no we really want to keep a close eye on this one and know what's going on mm-hmm. um Inevitably, the pendulum will probably swing too far the other direction, and we're going to have to course correct again. But it seems like the floor is willing to do that and has done that. This mm-hmm. year, obviously, the floor's correction to the stage was in regards to the proposal by the Credentials Committee in with relationship to Rick Warren and things like that, and the floor kind of said no. And we didn't even get to any kind of vote or meaningful change or anything like that. It was just a, you need to... Yeah, we need to come back, get together, go back to mm-hmm. the drawing board and come back with something different. And mm-hmm. so I suspect that in 2023, uh, we'll probably be dealing with some some similar issues. You know, I told the church last night, I told my wife, I, we, we've talked about this a, a number of times, me and you, um, that, look, I, the for me, the SBC's on the clock. I've been a Southern Baptist my whole life. I mean, born and raised in a Southern Baptist church. I know you were a Southern Baptist kid. Uh, your pastor, uh, your dad mm-hmm. was the pastor of a Southern Baptist church. And mm-hmm. and you, so you were also raised in a Southern Baptist church. We're two people who love the Southern Baptist Convention. And I've put myself in a position in our church where 
I've defended the Southern Baptist Convention and said, look, it's Yuck. not perfect. It is a big umbrella. We understand not everybody's the exact same as me, and that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I want to hear people's different opinions, and, and honestly, the arguments with other people and the positions they come from on ecclesiology and various other things, soteriology and things, those are good debates. I need people like that in my life that give me a contrasting view. I get it, mm-hmm. and, and that's fine. We're both going to be in heaven together, and I, I celebrate that. That's great. Mm-hmm. But... And, and so, from that perspective, there's been a number of times in my church every year when I come back from the convention, give them the report, you know, I, I've, you know, s- said, look, I'm still willing to stick with the SBC, you know, and I, I think there's still some good things happening. This year was different for me. Mm-hmm. This year was the first year that I came back and I was really disheartened that what it seemed like the floor wanted to do, the leadership resisted doing and, you know, mm-hmm. and is kicking the can down the road. And it seems to be is trying to find every way possible to keep Rick Warren and Saddleback Church inside the convention mm-hmm. and also keeping churches like mine and yours and, and other churches who are like, the Bible is very clear on this topic. There's, right. no, there's no debate about it. Right, which and I, we have decided, kind and of so ex- you've got you've got a situation where they're trying to keep both under the same roof. What you're talking about, the big umbrella, yeah. and it's not going to be possible. And so they've got to make a decision. It, and so I told it's the church, like, for me, it, they're on the clock. It's almost like a church revitalization. Like you have to be afraid. You have to not be afraid to shrink. Yeah, I mean, and, we're, the, and honestly, we're going to have to shrink. Yeah, I'm not afraid of losing people. I'm not afraid no. of losing members for you know the sake of scriptural biblical fidelity right that 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 is the movement that concerns me and i'm with you i think for years i have come to my church and reported uh trying to encourage the church about the southern baptist convention tried to uh explain the southern baptist convention i mean even just the logistics of the beast that is the Robert's rules of order and the committees and the messengers and I do that every year. Um, I think I, I think I'm really going to turn this and really say, Church, you're, you're going to have to send me to the Southern Baptist Convention. I want you to want to be in the Southern Baptist Convention. I don't want to be pulling you along uh, because of my allegiances or friendships or because of our church's history. You right. know. Um, I don't. I don't even know, but I'm sure we may be able to go back and find financial help from the Southern Baptist Convention to plant our church. I don't know. I don't know if that's there or not. But maybe we were planted in the '80s by uh, a large Southern Baptist church here in Austin. That's possible that we benefited that way to plant this church. I don't know. Um, but that's that's kind of my my thinking right now. So it's it's really not up to me. It's it's up to our church as a whole. Um, yeah, I've got a letter out we, to your elders to send you to next year's convention. Cause you what? I got a letter out to your your elders to send you to next year's convention because <laughs> I can't do this by myself. <laughs> you know, inter- interesting fact: one of our elders is descended from B. H. Carroll, who is uh, uh, no small figure in Southern Baptist Convention history. So. I'll, I'll 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 say this. Uh, my attitude will definitely change if you rent the convertible this time, because that was a that was a big <laughs> deal for me. Okay, 
Can I just let me just? I gotta let me explain. Gotta, let me explain what happened first. No, so no, no, I'm no, looking, no. Do not. I'm looking. Do not, I'm, I'm looking at Anaheim. I'm, I'm looking at how much it costs to Uber around, right from where we're staying, and I, I realize I'm going to save a significant, not as much money as I could save, but a significant amount of money, and I did save a significant amount of money by renting a Mustang convertible. And I'm going to defend myself by saying I also saw another well-known pastor who I highly respect, who's named Mark Dever, also rented a Mustang convertible, it seems. So that's what we drove around. Top down, every day, 75 degrees, palm trees in Anaheim. I was really tempted to miss some of the Southern Baptist Convention just to drive the car around. (laughs) Can I I say my piece now? Yes, go for it. Here is the strange dichotomy that is Nathan Loudon. All right. <laughs> this is the just this is the <laughs> this is <laughs> this is the just the weird, weird enigma that is Nathan Loudon. On the one side, Nathan is the networking pastor. Nathan is the guy that will walk into a room and and he may not know anybody, but by the end, he's going to know 10 people. He's going to email them. He's going to call them every day for the next year, and he's going to show up. And they may not recognize him, but he's going to go up to them, and he's going to pretend like they've been friends for years. <laughs> and, <laughs> and Nathan builds tons of relationships that way. So anytime we go anywhere to any convention, T4G could be the Southern Baptist Convention, could be any any place Nathan is going to want to stay in a house with 115 people. And he's going to want to get a house as big as possible to accommodate as many people as possible. So what would a person like that who's going to stay in a house with six people? How many did we have in that house that we stayed in at the SBC? One, two, three, four. Yeah, six, I think. it. Six, six people. Yeah. What would a person who's going to stay in a house with six guys and travel back and forth from that house to the convention, what kind of car would he get? This is where the Enigma comes in. You would think it would be like a Escalade or, or Expedition or something with a third row. No, Nathan gets a Mustang convertible that, that has one seat. That has really one extra seat in it. <laughs> and, and the back seat is just for show is meant to probably hold one golf bag right? we, we left but the ends airport. up having to squeeze two other adult grown men in it so we're riding around nathan's a- got plenty of room he's got the top down Listen. he is loving life the rest of us are eating our kneecaps as we're driving from the house to the convention center. I really, I really never regretted my decision ever, despite your, despite the, your the uh, many people who had to Uber from our house to the convention mock, center. Me all week. We, I, we were leaving the airport. Uh, first of all, I got the car. I drove around for 20, 30 minutes by myself, waiting for Cal, our associate. And I'm just like, I've made the right decision. This is the right decision. I've got I've got Trip Leon top down driving around, <clears throat> pick up Cal. We get probably 15, 20 minutes away from which it was a, like a 45 minute drive or more to the because of traffic. We get out at maybe 10, yeah, 15 like minutes. Four miles, but like 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah, we get out from the airport like 10 or 15 minutes away, 
and another pastor that was staying with us uh, texts me and says, hey, we just got to the airport. Are you guys around? Because our flights had changed. All of our flights changed our times and stuff. And so I said, uh, we just left, but I'll save you the $100 Uber, and I'll turn around and come get you. And he's got another guy with him. And so, so we got him, and then I realized to give him enough room to sit in the back seat, I ha- I have to look like I had to scoot <laughs> so far up to give him. He's like six one or something behind me. I had to scoot so far up. That was the only min- moment where I thought, yeah, something else might might have been helpful, but then after that, I was just like, "Well, I've only got two seats. <laughs> There's not a seat behind me. It just doesn't work like that." Um, but anyway. Oh my word! It was so fun. that is that is that is what it's like to be friends with Nathan Love. Yeah. So he. Get, I remember the text you sent me. I was like, I was banking on riding with you back and forth to because yeah, I did, I paid the seventy dollar Uber ride. Yep. You know, coming from LAX to Anaheim. And I was banking on riding with you back and forth to the convention. And you texted me and you're like, so we've got like four people in the convertible now. And I was like, so mm-hmm. I'm out, basically, is what you're telling me. That's not- <laughs> Which didn't That's end not up the first time the I've done that. I've got another convertible story when I went to a wedding in Toronto. Oh, my God. <laughs> another story for another day. I feel so sorry for Colette sometimes. I'm telling I you, just, man, it's it's worse than you think. It's, it's I, it it can't be. It can't be. It's, it's not possible. We're gonna pray. We pray for Colette. Uh, Next year is New Orleans, and um, you know we know a little bit about what's coming up next year. But you know, the the thing about the SBC is between between now and Christmas, you know, we could go back to our lives. But between January and June next year, you can be sure there's going to be Twitter. Someone's going to have done something. It's going to be it's going to be drama. It's been that way every year, and I mean, uh, so the we'll see what happens. Committee still looking for a president. Executive, so, yeah. I saw the application. I thought about putting your name in. Yeah, do it. Just Absolutely. see what happens. Yeah. Absolutely. How many? Well, I don't know. How many people have you baptized? Call. What? How many people have you baptized the last five years? At yeah, least like a yeah. thousand. Yeah, exactly. I don't. Yeah, I mean, you're you're a prime candidate. Yeah. I could be incredibly catty right now, and I'm not going to. Okay, good. Let's <laughs> just, just leave gonna, it for that. I'm just going to stuff it deep down. All right. Just <laughs> suppress it. Sounds good. Yeah. All right. See you next week, man. All right. Thanks for listening to the Fire and Bones podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, consider subscribing or following the show on your favorite listening platform so you can be notified every time a new episode is released. Consider leaving us a generous review if that's an option for you. And most importantly, share this podcast with someone that you think might benefit from it. Be sure to check the show notes for any relevant links, including our contact information. Feel free to reach out to us with any questions you might have. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Fire and Bones podcast. Oh,